0: if if you would, uh, put them on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We've been going through the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, and it's a very practical book about how to live the Christian life, and um, it deals with real life issues that they faced back then. Um, Some of you might wonder, well, where are we going after this? Uh, Because we are getting near the end of the book, and uh, we're going to do the book of John. I've never preached through the book of John. It's, I preach from John, but never preached through the book of John. I love the book of John. I love John. I've done first John, but we're going to go through the book of John because it's such, a, it's such an awesome book and the stories of, uh, are just, they hopefully will catch your heart and make a difference. But Thessalonians is coming to an end, and uh, last week I talked about uh, the importance of believers' understanding that when you die, uh, it's not a bad thing, that, that we talked about how the early church was scared to death because, remember, Paul had been there about three weeks maybe three months, and he had started this church. There had not been a church. He wasn't there very long. They had people come to know Christ, both Jew and Gentile, and he taught them quickly about the second coming of Christ. And he said to them, you need to be ready. You need to be ready at all times. And so the early church, uh, the church at Thessalonica, thought that he was coming back any day, and uh, they got concerned because some of their loved ones had died, and the question came up, what will happen to our loved ones who are Christians who have died, who are buried, what if Jesus comes back, do they still get to go, and of course, we, we find in there that, that those who believe in the gospel that Jesus lived and that Jesus died and that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we read in there that when Christ comes back, the dead will rise first, we will meet them in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Never again do we have to deal with pain and suffering, never again do we have to say goodbye to a loved one. We will be with him forever. It was the good news of the second coming of Christ. This morning, the way I'd like to describe the end times is when Jesus comes back, that's the good news. You flip the coin for non-believers. It's the day of judgment. It's not a good time. And so for us as believers, if you've looked at the songs, we look forward to his coming back. And uh, there's a certain way we're to live till he comes back. But we need to understand that, that the the day of the Lord from the Old Testament to the New Testament is a picture of judgment. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Because if I had to summarize it, the, the title is Be Ready. That's just it. And we'll look at that more in just a second. I do not know why that there is such a morbid curiosity about the second coming of Christ. I mean, there's charts, and there is extreme interest in it, and they want to study it, and they want to figure it out. And this has been happening, people, since the day that Christ died and went to heaven. People have been predicting, he's coming back, he's coming back, and and he hadn't come back yet. And there's a reason for that that I'll address at the very end. But what it really drives me nuts is when preachers try to scare you into heaven by saying, he might come back when this war over in the Ukraine gets somewhere else and Russia goes here. I mean, they start talking all this, and you need to make a decision. Listen. You need to make a decision for Jesus Christ because He loved you, because He died for you, and because He was resurrected from the dead for you, and you don't have to worry about death once you know Him. But something about preachers using scare tactics and writing books, it just drives me insane. Who remembers the song, Don't Be Left Behind, that came around in the 70s. And, you know, they, they had you worried about what if. And, and I can remember that as a high school kid. But what really just blows my mind is the number of books. And I, I collect these relics because they're wrong. Uh, this, this book here was written by a guy named uh, Colin Deal. The Day and Hour Jesus Re- Will Return. Guess what? He didn't didn't figure it out. The one that I love, one of my favorite ones, I think he's from Arca- uh, Arkansas, or he was in Arkansas. He wrote, for some reason, a lot of people in 1988 thought Jesus was coming back. Hal Lindsay thought he was coming back. A lot of people thought, and there's a guy named Edgar Wisenant, and he had this book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is in 1988. Guess what? He's wrong. He had to come out the next year with the final shout report. And, and basically said, it's coming again. You know. Now, I'm not going to suggest that you do this. But in the Old Testament, if you're a false prophet, you know what they did to you? They threw stones. Not till you just got hurt, but until you were dead. That's not what I'm suggesting. But these are all the time. People... Trying to get you ready because because you're scared and all that. That is not the basis for it. So this morning, I'm going to try to just tell you the key. This is the key. If you do this, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you would understand, you just need to be ready. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could never be in your lifetime. Just be ready. And let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Paul says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. Why? Because Paul said, Be ready. <laughs> you just be ready. And he says, For you know quite, quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. Underline that, unexpectedly. Not in 1988, unexpectedly. And then he says, like a thief in the night. Now, I'm not a policeman, but I would imagine most robberies take place at night. I don't know that, but why? Because it's darkness, you can't see as well. And the imagery that he gives us is that he's going to come back like a thief at night. And then it says, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no Escape. Now, here's what I want to tell you. <laughs> if you know someone who's not a Christian, and you try to convince them in the end times that they need to get saved, they're not going to believe you. They, they believe everything is okay. And they're going to say, and, they're, they're, and I'm just telling you, because people say it all the time, they'll say, well, how come he hasn't come back yet? It's been, been a long time. <laughs> they got good reason to ask that question. And, and non-Christians are not worried about Jesus coming back. And for some reason, Christians get worried and they shouldn't be. It's really a weird mix. And the thing that I want you to see, the very first point, is in, in verses 1 through 3, and it's this, Nobody, nobody knows when he is coming back. Nobody. Nobody knows when he's coming back. Now, here's what Christians should know. We should know that he can come back at any time, but we'll never know what time. Does that make sense? You as a Christian need to understand that he could come back any time but we don't we will never know when we just know that he's coming back okay and so when someone starts trying to get you concerned about he's coming back in 1988 or or anything crazy like that don't under, don't don't go down that trail he's coming back and and here's the problem we're not ready you need to be ready you're not ready for him to come back If you don't know him. But you don't know that a lot of times. So Paul begins with this very simple piece of advice. He says, listen guys, nobody knows when he's coming back. It's like a thief in the night. It's unexpected. You'll never know. It's like labor pain. I'll never forget our first two. I'll never forget. Julie was pregnant. We were in Horatio, Arkansas. She was talking to her mom. She was great with child. I mean, huge. Is it okay to say huge? She was huge. She was having twins. Okay? I will never forget. This is how old we are. She's talking in the hallway. We had one of those phones on the wall. Remember that dinosaur? She's talking to her mom. And she said, well, I'm kind of having these pains. And her mom says, Julie. That's what she always said when she was worried. You need to go to the hospital. Well, then the water broke, and we knew there was a baby coming. We didn't know when, but we knew there was a baby coming. That's the way it is with the coming of the Lord. We know He's coming. You can look and see the world's a mess. They have a a doomsday report. Y'all listen to me. They have a doomsday report that comes out every year, and we're 90 seconds from destruction according to non-Christians. They come and they look at the wars and they look at the atomic bombs and all that stuff and they've decided there's only in the doomsday clock, we only got 90 seconds left. That's not a real encouraging report, but we don't have to worry about that because the God who controls all that is our God. But don't get all caught up with worrying about Him coming back. He's coming back, and it's a good thing. But here's the thing. Care about how you live. <laughs> look, turn to Matthew 24. This is one of my favorite passages. It, it, Matthew 24 describes what it's going to be like um, right before He comes back. Matthew 24, look down to verse 37. Okay? This is Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the day, in Noah's day. What was it like in Noah's day? Think about it. It says, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is why... That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working in, together in the field. One will be taken. The other left behind. Two men will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left behind. And then Jesus says this, and I believe it's, take it to heart. So you too, you too must keep watch. Must keep Watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the times, for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So here's the picture to me. In America right now, is everybody worried about Jesus coming back? No, they're worried about the Super Bowl next week. Or we're worried about this. And we're... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He could come back anytime. Be ready. You know, <laughs> I never could have parties at my house growing up. Because I had parents that came home. I had friends that had parties at their house. And they were always okay because they knew when mom and dad were coming home. I knew my parents, one, weren't going to let me be alone for very long. And uh, uh, I knew they would come home and find me. And I didn't want to be caught. So I'd go to your house, but I ain't come, you're not coming to my house. You, you know what I'm talking about? Why? He's coming. <clears throat> be ready. Do not. Jesus said this. Acts chapter 1. I love it. Acts chapter 1. He's, <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. So when the apostles were with, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and time, and they are not for you to know. <laughs> Underline it. You're, you're not to know. And then he says, but you will receive the Holy Spirit... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is he saying? Quit looking up at the sky and start telling people about Jesus Christ. Don't be just staring up there, when's he coming? Hey, I can tell you, this is what bothers me. He's coming back. You better be working in a church doing His will. Why? Because He's coming back. We just don't know when. You know, I managed two ice cream stores for my uncle or cousin, Polo Bear Ashburn. He bought my dad's and I managed them. And one of the things they taught us in management training is they had spies. They had paid spies. And those spies would come to our businesses to see if we were doing correctly. And I, as a manager, needed to make sure my workers did their job because guess what? A spy would come in and catch them goofing off, and that's not good. Nobody knows when he's coming back. You just need to ask the question, are you ready? Second thing. Be ready by living a different lifestyle. We are called to live differently. We're not to be weird. We're not to sell all our property and quit our job and have a little hope he comes back today ceremonies. No. He gives a picture in those verses 4 through 8 of how we are to be different. Listen to what he says in verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Believers know He's coming. And then He says, For you are all children of the light. When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you go from darkness to light. You're not in the dark anymore. So if you're a Christian... You live in the light, which means you live according to what God wants you to do. You know what that is. And you're children of the light in the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. And then in verse 6, he says, so be on your guard. Not asleep like others. Wake. I believe if Jesus could tell the church in America anything, it would be wake up. Quit sleeping. Listen. If Christ was to come back in America, baseball people are going to be in trouble because they're all playing baseball on Sundays. (laughs) I mean, be watchful, be on the guard, don't be asleep, stay alert, he says. Be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. We are people. What he's trying to say is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... You're going to heaven, but you ought to be light in a dark world, not weird. Somehow Christians think being light means you have to be weird. No, you are not supposed to be weird. And then he says, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed. I just want to say sometimes, what in the world are we thinking Our world is such a mess. What in the world are we thinking? Are we clear-headed? We're protected by the armor of faith. They they had these uh, breastplates they would wear that would protect your heart. Let me tell you what. When Christ is Lord of your life, when you believe in Him, He protects that heart. It's like a breastplate. And he says, we put on the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Listen, I want everybody in this room to be confident that they're saved. You don't lose your salvation. You don't earn your salvation. You can be confident in your salvation through Jesus Christ. He's saying, we are to wake up. If you're at school and you're a teenager, you need to be different than everybody else. At work, you need to be different than everybody else. Not weird, different. You have different morals, you have different values, you do life differently. But you're not weird. You're different. That's why I get so irritated with weird Christians. Christianity is not weird. It's normal. It's fun. Confidence of salvation. The greatest thing I ever learned in my faith is that I could never be good enough to be saved, and because He died for me, I am good enough. Man, that's good news. So you're ready when you're living it. And wherever you have light, darkness has to leave. And we are called to be the light. So live, be ready by living life differently. Be self-controlled. Be different. Third thing. <clears throat> be ready by allowing God to save you. Look at verses 8 and 9. I love it real quick. For God chose to save us. <laughs> you didn't choose to save yourself. For God chose to save us. Tis His plan. His idea, for God chose to save us through being a Southern Baptist. No. Through going to church. No. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to pour out His anger on us. You know, listen, God wants to save people, not destroy people. And when you have a good God and you reject Him, what are you thinking For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. These people say God just wants to punish bad people. Well, you do if they do something bad to you. But it's funny how you think they. You know, I hear Christians. Well, they shouldn't do that. If they touch my kid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the crud out of. Them. I mean, you know, that's when we get. It's okay to treat people badly when someone do does something. New. Let me tell you what. God loved you. He provided a plan for you. Why would you reject it? God doesn't want to pour out He's, It's. look at verse 10 Christ died for us so that and here's the part he goes back to chapter 4 again so that whether you are, are um, uh, dead or alive when he returns we can live with him forever <laughs> you see he chose you Will you put your faith in Him? Will you allow Him to save you? That's the real question. And when you allow Him to save you, you have the promise of eternity with Him. Man, that's good stuff. You don't save yourself. He saves you. He does what you can't do. And then here's the last thing. Be ready by encouraging and building each other up. Man... That's command. So encourage each other. Listen, while we're running the race, it sometimes gets hard. And everyone, not your preacher or your deacon, everyone in this room who knows Jesus Christ is supposed to encourage each other as we wait for Him to come back to live the life. I just want to say, don't give up. Keep reading the Scripture. Keep worshiping Him. Keep loving Him. Keep growing. Don't stop. Don't let anything get in your way. Encourage one another. That word means to come alongside. I still go back to my last 5K. My last 5K, Charlie and Carol were there. My daughter was there. And my daughter-in-law, not my daughter, you're here, you you don't run. Uh, but anyway, we were running the race, 5K, and uh, I, I, I hate to admit this, I'm a little competitive, but I realized my much younger daughter-in-law could beat me. Because I hadn't been training for one thing. And uh, I knew I couldn't beat Charlie, because that's what he's done since he was born. He runs marathons. Raise your hand, Charlie. Raise it, raise it, go ahead, yeah. There was only one person I was worried about getting beat by. Carol, raise your hand. <laughs> I tell you what I could have used. I didn't have them. It was just sheer willpower. Carol was beating me. And I kept saying, I can't let a woman beat me. I know. I know women. That's where I am. And I can't let Carol beat me because I'll never hear the end of it as long as I live. And so I'm plotting my... I'm trying, I I think you were in front of me, weren't you? Yeah, you were in front of me. So I'm just, you know what I needed? I needed someone right alongside of me going, don't give up. Don't quit. You can beat Carol. I didn't have anybody, but I kept on hanging on. And I eventually barely beat her. But in the Christian life, every single one of you, you need each other to say, hey, don't give up. Keep on. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on work. Don't give up. That's what Christianity is, is about. It's about Christians encouraging each other. When life gets hard, you encourage that person to keep on. And then you build up. It's a command. You, you build up. Give them a scripture. If a scripture helps you, give them a scripture. It's tough. Waiting for Him to come back. It's hard. But we are commanded in the Scriptures, we are commanded to encourage one another and build one another up. And I'd say, man, if you fell down, if you screwed up last week, get up! You know, people, when hard times come, they quit. Ah, poor me. Listen, the righteous man falls down seven times. You can't keep him down, though. He keeps getting up. You're going to fall down, but get up. I get so, I had a rough week. I, I, I just think this is the best place to be in the world. And I get so discouraged because I, I want people running. They're, I mean, obviously you're here, so I'm happy with y'all. But I, And I'm not mad, I just, I just want people to live it. Don't tell me, live it. And and sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to need someone to pick you up. It's the Christian life. That's what we're called to do. Don't quit. Don't give up. People throw in the towel over nothing. Be ready by encouraging and building each other up. To answer my question a minute ago, people say, well... Why hasn't, why hasn't he come back? Well, let me give you a reason. Look at 2 Peter. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. Peter is writing, you know Peter, he's writing uh, Christians and he says this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise as some people think. Here's part I love. No, He is being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But what does he want? He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away and a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Everything on it. Let me give you a, uh, maybe a surprising answer to the question Do I want him to come back? Do I want him to come back now? No. I say, why? I have family and friends who don't know Him. And while it would be incredibly good for me, it would not be good for them. So, no, I don't. I don't. I know people in this community I have family, I have friends, I I want more time. Every kid that comes to this church, every teenager that comes to this church, every adult that comes to this church, if they don't know Christ, it's my greatest concern. So, from a selfish standpoint, yeah, I'd like him to come back. I wouldn't have to deal with everything. And I do believe when I get to heaven, I'm not going to know the ones who don't receive him. I don't believe I'm going to suffer for their rejection or not knowing and all that. I, I don't believe that. But on this side of eternity, I know who does and who doesn't a lot of times. And it bugs the crud out of me. Because I do believe He's coming. So, be ready. Maybe you need to trust Him as your Lord and Savior. I'd love for you to do that. I'll be over here in just a moment. I'd love to tell you how to do that. Maybe you need to be a part of the church that's awake. That means you're doing something. Maybe you need to be a part of a church. Y'all, the church is the only hope the dark world has. Maybe you need to pick up a job. Maybe you need to work with the children, the youth. and uh, Listen, if it doesn't bother you that some people don't know Him, what's wrong with you? So, the invitation is that if you would like to know more about how to know Him, know more about a church, how to join a church, join a church, whatever... I'll be over here in just a minute. Um, We will have a dream team meeting, luncheon, working on some things. That'll be right after church. But we want to give everybody an opportunity to respond. And so I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then uh, you're, you're dismissed to go your way. But if you really need to. If you have never put your faith in him, trust in him, come talk to me. Or if you'd like to join a church, be baptized. Baptizing doesn't save you, but it shows people you are saved. So you respond as God leads. So let's pray. Lord, I come to you. And Lord, I I, I thank you that I have absolutely no worries about you coming back. But I do have family and friends I worry about. Father, uh, once you come, it's too late. And Father, most of all, I just want them to have that relationship with you that is so good. Because Christianity is not about doing, it's about knowing. It's knowing you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for their ministry to teenagers and to kids and to our community. May we care. May we care enough to share. And Father, I just thank you so much for just the people who encourage me. Because sometimes I'll be honest, I just get so down about believers not walking it. Because it's good. People need to see us. So, Father, help us. Help us to be a church waiting for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of names.